That's pretty good when you can keep playing the organ and, and get hugged at the same time. That's pretty good. No disruptions. Let's take a Bible, so let's go to 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to be looking at uh, the love of God from a different perspective. God shows us love. And uh, so 1 John chapter 4. And uh, I'm glad to see each and every one of you here. And yes, my stomach is rumbling. I don't know how long I'll be preaching. But I will say this, is that we will live in anticipation of the good meal that's waiting on us on the other side. How's that sound? 1 John chapter 4. Uh, I want us to think about this for a moment while you're turning there, that one of the areas that we see is so much we don't know what love is all about. I remember many years ago that I was talking with my son, and he said, Dad, I don't even know if I know what love is. And that's a pretty honest statement. Dad, I don't even know if I know what love is. I'd always thought that I had shown him love, and I always thought that I had done a good job teaching him love. But what he was really referring to was the amore love, or the love that we, that we have between a man and woman. You know, and I told him, I said, well, I said, I know that you're very affectionate, you want to help everybody, but I said, when somebody fulfills, or when they fill in the greatest aspect of love in a man's life, which we're going to be seeing a little bit later, we're going to see how that has a personal connection. But many times when we read the Bible, we're, we're not focusing on the amore love as much as we look at the relationship that we should have with God. And I want us to think about that as we read 1 John chapter 4 together and see what it says. Let's go there now, beginning at verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby ye know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And that is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to stop there for a moment. What I'm speaking of is what is already in us because of what Jesus Christ did. So that's the first element we have to look at. Look at verse 5. They are of the world, therefore spake they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. There's a difference. We're not of the world, we're of God. He that knoweth God heareth us, and he that knows not of God heareth not us. Hereby know ye the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And this was manifest the love of God toward us, because that God sent his holy begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfect in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that, that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 
Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth not, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is, and this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Interesting. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, I want to thank you for the blessings that you show us from your word, and I pray that you will guide us in this morning. Again, we want to thank you for those that are in attendance. We thank you, Father, for the blessings that you shower upon us each and every day. Now we pray that you will bless this time that we have together. Bless the word, Lord, that it would be the, the satisfaction that we need for each and every part of our lives. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful in all things and, and guide and direct us, and may we be following you in all things. For it's in Christ we pray, and amen. I know it was a bit of a lengthy reading this morning, but I want to say how much I appreciate, first of all, how that everything seemed to come together. Now, Brother Randy didn't know that this was going to be a message on love, but he pointed out that we're having fellowship today. And one of the best ways to have fellowship is not only the embrace that we have for each other, but to tell each other how much that we love and we care. That takes care of the internal. But the real struggle is when we go outside of this place. Because then we struggle with things like, well, when do I forgive? When do I forget? When do I do this? When do I do that? I mean, there's all kinds of things that we don't know in the biblical principle. But we are struggling over what we love, show that love each and every day to ourselves. I'm going to give you an example of what I'm speaking of, and I know it's later on in my notes. But I want you to get this <clears throat> from the, the passage that's in 3 John. Turn with me, if you will, for a moment. And I want you to see 3 John. And in 3 John, we find this example that there is no real love in one man's heart. Look what it says in verse 8. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow, fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loved it's interesting that he has the word love in there, loved the preeminence among them, received us not. Why do you think Diotrephes did not want to receive John one of the apostles, one of the men who walked with God, why do you think that he wanted to withstand and say, I don't want John in here? You know, let's put it this way. Every man of favor, someone that we love, someone we care about, if they are going to bring the truth, I think we ought to say, man, and you know, here's the thing. There's a, a, an occasion with a pastor where that we have to be aware that this is sacred territory. And I, and I say that to people many times. That when I stand in the pulpit, I want you to know that I want to go on what's being said over this pulpit. 
If we have a Bible conference, if we have revival, anything that occurs, every speaker needs to understand that this ground is not a whipping post, nor is it designed to, to skin the sheep. I had a preacher one time say to me, well, if you're afraid of preaching something, and, and I stopped him right there, I said, if I'm afraid of preaching something, I'm not a preacher. And I said, and if I don't preach something to the congregation, it's because they're not guilty of it. But I said, any time that I feel I don't want to preach what is God not what is man led. And I said, and he, and he went on to say, well, if you're afraid of any particular topic, I said, I'm not afraid of any topic. Now, please understand that. I may be careful how I handle a particular topic, but I'm not afraid of any topic. Why? I'm too dumb. I'm too dumb to be afraid. But here's the thing that we need to understand. We are so... John chapter 3 and again one of the things that I, I was talking to one of our young people yesterday and I said what verse can you quote to me and immediately that young person said John 3.16 I was so happy to hear that but look what it says for God so long, well let's go back if you will let's back up a little bit let's go to chapter 15 or chapter 3 verse 15 that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have ever eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that uh, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that, he, that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now watch this. And I, and I have literally struggled within myself how to present this. The reality is is that do you know that we have failed our young people in one respect and that is we've not really taught them how to read the Bible. There's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of these. There's a lot of vows. There's a lot of vines. There's a lot of, there's a lot of words that we don't use today. Matter of fact we have such a limited vocabulary that we don't do it. But then we read that to our young people and we expect them to understand it completely. So as English teachers, and yes, everybody in here should be an English teacher, I'm sorry to say, I hate English. It's one of those languages I prefer German over English, believe it or not. But in, as an English teacher, we should literally teach our children how to read the English. Let this sink in for a moment, because that's what's going to make the Bible come alive for them. Look what is what I'm telling about. That whosoever believes, can I say believes? I can paraphrase it, but let's explain to them why the Bible uses the word believeth. It's not wrong, it's correct. Believeth and it should not paraphrase. Let's explain every word. Instead of struggling on Christianese, 
let's bring it down to simplicity. And we do that by teaching them English. And when we do that, then comes the next verse. Look at verse 16. For God so loved the world. Do you know that people who struggle over election struggle over the word love? I have heard preachers say it, and you've heard me say it from this pulpit as well, how that preachers will turn around and they want to define the word love or the world. They're saying is, well, God of faith. Now watch what I mean by that. How many of us believe that everybody who must be saved has to come in tears? How many think that if I cry, if I'm weeping, if I really am sorry, then I have received Christ as my Savior? Do you realize, go back and read the Bible, how many times do we see people instead of tearfulness have joy Think about this. When we find and repentance of joy. But what is love? 
The reality of love is this, is that we are now Let's turn with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and notice that we have the definition of love. Now, Paul... And this is the way that love should be defined. Notice that love... How many of us have ever thought of love as being complicated? How many of us have ever been in love with a woman and she's not loved you back. I'm speaking to men, of course. How many of you... <laughs> don't raise your hand, Randy, because you're, you're awful close to her. She's not able to hit you. How many, how many of you women have shown love but you didn't receive love in return? Well, watch this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and have not charity, which is another word for love, I am becoming a sounding blast Now think about the first three verses. What did they say? Though I am able to have all
the right person that I thought was going to love me and care for me. The reality is, God chose us not out of physical, but he chose us out of the spiritual. And he has imparted certain things to you that goes beyond our wildest imaginations. And so when someone doesn't understand like you that doesn't mean that you have every right to tear them down or to build them down. I had a preacher one time that uh, he, he was boasting on the fact that he had gone out into the public way and, and he heard these two individuals that were literally uh, claimed to be Jesus Christ's Savior and they really believed everything that was presented to them. And he took it upon himself to correct My first question to him was, did you do it out of love? And he looked at me kind of strange. He goes, well, what do you mean did I do it out of love? I said, according to the word of God, did you show love to them or did you just take it upon yourself? The sad part is, too often we want things to happen because we want them to happen, not because we're led of God. The reality is, is that when we see the love that even God paints for us, it's amazing. Let's go over, if you will, to Genesis chapter 1. I want you to see this. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, we see this verse, and then we're going to go over to chapter, we're going to be on chapter 1. In verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Ladies, you too were created in the image of God. There, there's a lot of men that, that are in this world. Well, God created man. Woman was created. No, 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 no. no. God. That's what the scripture teaches us. But I want you to get this. Chapter 2 unveiled
he could speak, he could do whatever was necessary. And he had perfect knowledge. Well, as God showed him the garden and he taught him the truth, it was And then God made two things. No, you see this with me. And notice again in verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not that man should be alone. It does not say that man is lonely. Man was with God. Man was with, you know, with the Lord God. He was with God. He was with the Spirit of God. That's Genesis 2, 6, 18. But I will make a help me for him. Now watch this. So God brought all... What now, imagine that. Imagine all these beautiful creatures that came up, and they were literally right at the, at the feet of Adam, and they wanted to see what they were going to call I don't know if they conversed. But the Lord pointed something out to Adam. There is something that's missing in your life. There's something missing. All male and female of the horse, male and female of the cattle, and I, I don't know why, but I always think of the horse first. Male and female of the wolf, male and female right on down the line. But not for Adam. Here is the greatest aspect of love. Verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. By the way, the Lord God is also an anesthesiologist. You, anesthesiologist. He's a sleep doctor. Because he didn't pull the rib out of him while he was still awake. He put him to sleep. Look what else it says. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof, instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made a woman and brought her to the man. Can you imagine? Now, come on. Maybe Adam woke right up. I don't know. But instead of the Lord God waking Adam up, what if it was Eve that woke him up? Hi, Adam. Whoa, man. Anyway, so right off the bat, we, we now know where the word woman came from. But the reality is, is that there was a love relationship. God tell me that it, you think it's sin for a woman to love a woman? In marriage, yes. You think it's sin for a man to be with a man? In marriage, yes. The thing I find beautiful is this. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. One flesh. Let me tell you something, and this is the demonstration. If I cannot show love 
backwards and forwards, then something's missing. Man, let me tell you something. You want to know how to love your wife? Love God first. Build on this relationship. Women, you want to know how to love man? You build on the same relationship. And that way, because you have this going on between you and God, then you know how to love each other. Is that not what First John chapter 4, verse you know, it, 1 through 21 ta- teaches us? How can I say I love But the fall took a lot of that away. The fall now brought us into a place called entropy. And I see this all the time. Do you realize that we don't know I work every day in Huntington. You know, Canova is a beautiful little town. I mean, let's put it this way. There's, there's very few places in the town of Sarita, Canova, where we see a lot of uh, worn-out buildings. I mean, they, people try to keep it clean. We don't mind that from up here. How will we treat them? Will we allow them to come into our churches? Will we allow them to be a part of our assemblies? I see every day buildings that are just falling apart because of entropy. I see the vines oversweeping the, the houses. I see uh, so many of the, the houses are burning because people want to break into those houses and they want to smoke their pot or whatever it is they want, their drug activity. I see this over and over again. And yet as I see it, there are those people that are, are trying to hide their heads in the sand saying it's really not happening. The reality is, if I, when, when I talk to these people, it's like, and I was talking to someone the other day, and he said, do you realize that these people are choosing to live this way? They want to live this way? And I think they want to live this way because they don't know who Jesus is. Now, if I really have love, I want to go into the community and tell them that God is a God of love. And that love supplied the Savior. And you are trapped in your sins. Now think about that for a moment. You're trapped in your sins. You're trapped in the fact that you want to live life your way. There's a selfishness in what you're doing. You're trapped in all of those things. But if you really want to have love, one for another, then you tell them, the escape for sin is in Jesus Christ. Is everyone going to listen to that message? No. In fact, you're going to probably get the greatest amount of pushback, just like the Apostle Paul did when he was at Mars Hill. He said, let me tell you about the unknown God that you don't know anything about. The reality is, people are not... have any control. But my God completely in control. And he's in control with this message. So when I go into the world, there's going to be those that are going to laugh at me and the first thing they're going to say is, Judge, I'm not judging. I'm delivering. I've got a message to deliver. And then afterwards, I want you to get this. There will be those that will not want to hear and they may pick up stones and they may want to throw them at me. Some may say they want to hear me again. 
The beautiful thing is we see with Paul of Mars Hill, some will believe. And that's the deliverance. I show them love by my actions. I show them without judgment. I present just the Word of God. I guarantee you, our children, our young people are facing, they're getting ready to face some of the greatest challenges in life because they don't see it. The entropy runs down. And the reality is, as they begin to see this entropy running down, they don't know how to handle it. I want you to see this. Turn with me to the book of Mark. And let's go to the book of Mark, and let's go to chapter 5. And I realize I've got a couple more passages that I want to read to you. And then we'll get ready for our lunch break and everything. But let's look at this. In Mark chapter 5, I mean, my pages are sticky here. In Mark chapter 5, we find this example of Jesus coming to the Gadarenes. How many of you remember that? Look what it says in verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship immediately, there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, that no man could bind him, not with chains. Now we should get this. This was a wild man. He was possessed of demons. He was in the entropy of this great tomb place, this graveyard. Because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains that had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broke in pieces, neither could any man tame him. They tried. And all And when he saw will run to worship Jesus. And he cried with spirit. And he asked him, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. But there were to escape a man's body, the only fit place for him is pigs. Let that sink in. To escape a man's body, they have to enter into pigs. What else? And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out of him, and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the into the sea. with the devil and he had uh, and had the legion setting and clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Let me stop here just for a second. Do you want to see people changed? You're not going to do it by your pretty examples. You're not going to see people changed by what we can do as a society. If we want to see the demons fleeing our cities, 
if we want to see the demons staying away from Cerrito and Canova, if we want to see the wickedness stay away from our places, we've got to go in, we've got to preach the Word of God. Maybe we'll go into a place like the sons of Sceva did, and the demon says, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who do you think you are? We can't be afraid. We've got to have the love of God within us, and that only comes, first of all, by salvation. And they that saw that told them how it befell him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. Jesus, we're not worthy of you. Get out of our coastline. But look what this man wanted to do. Look at this. And when he was come into the ship, he had been possessed with the devil, prayed him that he might be with him. Do you realize that this man, now in his right mind, wants to be with Jesus? Anyone... That's love. But notice what Jesus said to him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him and saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them the great things the Lord hath done for thee. That is love. And hath compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in the Dicopolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all the men did marvel. Now watch this in verse 21. I don't know how many of you have ever seen it. And when Jesus was passed over again, that's a new... By the way, how many of you all see that it's got a new paragraph symbol there? It's a new verse. So when the Lord returned, and when Jesus was passed over much people gathered unto him and was nigh unto the sea. Do you realize the testimony of one man who's redeemed has the power to tell the world what Christ has done for me? You know what we Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they can't wait to change. My message today has been a good one. And the message is very simple. How many of us know the truth of the, the things that are written by God? Be careful of hypotheticals. Be careful of hypotheticals. In Matthew 22, we see an example of a hypothetical. And, and literally, it was the Sadducees came and they said, well, this woman has been married seven times to seven brothers. When, when the resurrection occurs, who she belonged to? Hypotheticals. I hate them. Let's get down to brass tacks and be like Jesus. My final example is this. Many years ago, D.L. Moody preached in Chicago, and he had a tremendous ministry. And one day as he was walking down the street, this old drunk came up to him and said, Well, you must be. Because had you been Jesus' disciple, you would not be in the condition you're in right now. If you whitewash a pig, he'll return to the mire. 
but you save an individual by preaching the Word of God and they come to faith from the inside out, they will no longer want the mire. They'll want the Savior. And that's what we have to preach. Here comes Jesus. Are you prepared? Father, again, I want to thank you for the message and I pray that it's been exactly what you've needed for us today. We love you, Lord, not because we have perfect love, but because you first loved us. Now, Lord, go with us. Help us to be faithful in all things, and may we rejoice in you. In Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Randy.